the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. With a reasonable answer for the hope that lies within us, this is Contending for the Faith with Dr. Jerry Buckner. And now, to introduce Dr. Jerry Buckner, here's Gary Bell. Well, good evening and welcome to another exciting edition of Contending for the Faith with a cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church. And we are live, live for the next hour with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, you may or may not be aware that there is a war raging all around us. It's not a war of guns and missiles. However, in the end, it may prove to be just as deadly. It's not a war over land and territories, but it is a war to capture and influence the hearts and minds of our society. It is a cultural war. So tonight, we bring you part 9C in our series talking about 10 cultural and current issues that affect us as individuals, that affect our families, our churches, our communities, and our world at large. These cultural and current issues not only affect us, but can lead us in the wrong direction, away from God and our fellow man. The real issue is, how do we respond to these 10 cultural and current issues from a biblical and apologetic perspective? Well, for the answer to these questions and much, much more, stay tuned, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed. Thank you so much for that uh, uplifting and challenging uh, introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I am your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we want to encourage you to get to a table with your pens and paper and your Bibles and join in with us to be blessed with this tremendous teaching and series that we've been uh, sharing with you. And uh, I want to say this uh, by way of introduction, that because uh, we are talking about the series, not woke up, but awaken up from Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. Now, our lives, and you might want to write this down because it's an important point. Our lives are like tea bags. You don't know how tough we are until we are put in hot water. Our lives are like tea bags. You don't know how tough we are until we're put into hot water. Now, we're living in a world of hot water around us everywhere we look, see, hear, and experience. And you better put on the full armor of God uh, in the midst of this hot water, or it'll take you under and destroy you. Now, we are committed to giving reasons and answers to uh, the Christian church and the Christian faith. And we are living in a world today 
by which uh, crime is uh, everywhere. And the sad thing about this is that the judicial system and many courts and mayors and governors and even presidents are not doing hardly anything to stop it. So God is calling upon us to give reasons and answers for our Christian faith. And we are committed to 1 Peter 3 and 15, being ready to give an answer to every man that asks of us, our reason of the hope that's in us with meekness and fear. So uh, I am talking about on this section here, we're at uh, part 9C, and I'm talking about, that I want to talk about tonight, how should we as Christians respond biblically to injustice, BLM, and lawlessness? How should we as Christians respond biblically to injustice, BLM, and lawlessness? Let me ask you a critical question. Why do we need the law? Why do we need the law? Answer, uh, we need the law because when we look at Jeremiah 17 and verses 9 through 10, Jeremiah 17, <clears throat> verses 9 through 10, the prophet Jeremiah tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. Now, let me deal with man's heart for a minute according to the Bible. It reveals throughout Scripture the fact that the heart of man is wicked, wretched, and it is in rebellion against God. And the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 17, verses 9 through 10, uh, also says that it is deceitful above all things. We can never imagine the capacity of a wicked heart, a wretched heart, and what it can do apart from God, because man's heart is deceitful above all things. Now listen to this carefully. Don't be shocked at what you hear in the news every day about wicked things that man does when it comes to murder, stealing, raping, molesting, uh, drugs, alcohol, and uh, abuse and hate, and all of these things. And First uh, Timothy chapter one, verses eight through nine. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, tells us in verse 8, but we know that the law, notice the word law, is good if a man use it lawfully. Verse 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly, for sinners the ungodly and profane, and for murderers, fathers and murderers and mothers for the manslayers. Man's heart is desperately wicked and wretched. And here is a major example of this from a historical perspective. Now, from a historical perspective, in World War II, about 85 million people were killed. And many scholars estimate and suggest 
about 60 millions of those deaths were civilians. Another 60 million human lives have been aborted since 1973 with this idea of Roe versus Wade. Now, let me say this in conclusion. Let me say this in conclusion. How should we as a church respond to the lawlessness and the wretched hearts that we see around us today? Now, I want to share with you uh, four ways on how we can deal with evil in the world and restrain evil in the world. Four ways on how we can deal with evil in the world and restrain evil in the world. Now, the first one that uh, I want to talk about now, when I get into this, I'm just going to introduce it, and then next time I will go into it in more detail. So four things on how we can confront evil and restrain it. And this is how God has laid it out also in the Word of God. I'm trying to lay out what God has already laid out, and I'm not going to duplicate that and uh, duplicate that or try to improve that. I'm just going to tell you what God has already laid out in his word. Number one, we can stop evil and restrain evil with our conscience. Uh, if we have a godly conscience led by the Holy Spirit and a pure conscience, a holy conscience, a bold conscience, not compromising, confusing, and contradicting, we can make changes in our world because a lot of people in our world today, their conscience has become deadened, delusional, reprobate, and we must not allow ourselves to go to that area of our lives. So we need the type of conscience that God has called upon us to have and to deal with evil with a pure, holy, righteous conscience. So that's number one. Now, number two, the second way that we can stop evil and restrain evil uh, is through and by a godly family, uh, putting that root in our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and then having them to stand up for what is right in an evil world. Because the generation that we see around us today, so many young people are lost, reprobate, you know, from Hollywood on, and and uh, the world of politics all around us. And we need to have, pray for godly families to, to rise up and stand up against this evil and not allow it to corrupt our families, our godly family. Now, uh, so we need to pray for a godly families and a godly heritage to continue with the vision and plan and purposes of God. And number three, we can stop and restrain evil through and by a the government. It talks about that in Romans chapter 13, that it is there to restrain evil and corruption. Now, you know, and we pray for our government that it won't uh, continue to fall into politics and corruption itself, 
and be led away from God because God will judge even the government. And he's doing that. And he will judge every government, whether it is uh, says it's Christian or not, you know. So we need to pray for the government to execute and be faithful to executing Romans chapter 13. That's what we need to do. And pray for the leaders in our government that they will come to know God and have a heart after God to do what God has called us to do. Now, lastly, fourthly and lastly, we can stop evil and restrain evil through the church, through the church. This is the biggest test right here. Now, how can we do that? Because Christ said we can. He's given the church power. He's given the church dunamis and ecstasia to transform lives through the power of the Holy Spirit because the early church had the Holy Spirit come up on the church. We see this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And what did Jesus said? He said, upon this rock, in Matthew chapter 16, upon this rock, you know, the gates of hell shall not prevail. So hell is all around us today. Everywhere we look, we see hell attacking every phase of life. But if the church is faithful, being the salt and light of the world and doing what Christ commands her to do and going into all the world to preach the gospel, to evangelize, to stand up. And even when the government tells her to do that which is contrary to the word of God, we must be like Peter. In the book of Acts, we must obey God rather than man. The church did not compromise, confuse, or contradict. Now, these four things are the four ways by which we can restrain evil in the world. Don't just lean it all on parents. Parents need to have their part too, but that's where the family comes in. See, parents standing up in the, against the corrupt schools. You see, righteous parents and families, and they need to bring God into it, see? God into the schools, you know? You can't just say, this is wrong against my children. You got to bring God into it because God has the final say. And I want you to uh, pray with me on this prayer. If you've heard this message and it's really ministered to you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord, forgive me for walking away from doing what you call me to do. I confess my sins right now, and I repent of my sins, and I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. Help me, Lord, to be into submission to you every day of my life as king and ruler and owner. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray. Amen. Brother Gary. Well, all right. <clears throat> it's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the bay. 
Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, we'd just like to thank all of you who have been listening to Contending for the Faith and all of you especially who have been praying for us because this is a prayer-driven ministry and we so appreciate the prayers that you're sending forth on behalf of Contending for the Faith. It is so vital and so important. We can't thank you enough. We've been on the air for a very long time, and we know it's it's because of those prayers that are consistently going forward. And so thank you. Thank you again. And also, we want to say thank you to those who are consistent in your giving. Uh, this is a listener-supported ministry, and we need your consistent prayers as well as your consistent giving. Right now, we, we have a deficit of $258 we need to retire. Maybe somebody right now uh within the sound of my voice can uh, help us retire that tonight there's, there's two ways that you can donate you can simply address a check or money order to contending for the faith p.o box 553 tiburon california nine four nine two zero that's contending for the faith p.o box 553 tiburon california nine four nine to zero. The second way is so much simpler. Just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button. And it's that simple. You'd be a blessing for time and eternity. And as I mentioned before, maybe somebody tonight, God is moving on your heart right now. And you're just go to the website and help us out tonight. Hit a home run. For contending for the faith. It's so important, especially as we move into the holiday season. And it's so easy to get busy and wrapped up and caught up and all the hustle and bustle of shopping and buying gifts for this person and that person. And a lot of times we forget about our giving. And, you know, this is a season where we celebrate the greatest gift that mankind has ever received, and that's Christ. So we want to want to forget giving uh, in honor of him to programs like Contending for the Faith. So we want to encourage you tonight. Keep us in mind through your prayers and through your giving. We also want to just let you know that next week, uh, Dr. Buckner will be uh, speaking at a men's retreat. So we will have a pre-recorded message next week. It'll be one of the best of Contending for the Faith. So you can listen in, but you can't call in. So that's next week. We'll be back December 10th, live in the studio. All right, Dr. Buckner, we've got a couple of callers waiting. Are you ready? Yes, let's do it, Brother Gary. All right, Sophia, line one, how are you doing? Hello? Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you so much, and a belated Thanksgiving to both of you. I missed you, but I, we had another you know, show to take the place temporarily. Now, I tell you, I was reading, I could be wrong, Dr. Buckner, I was reading the book of Samuel, and there you have the king of Israel, Saul, king of Israel, so a pretty, um, you know, religious man, and yet he was disobedient, but he's arguing with Saul, I mean with Samuel, he's saying, no, 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 he's trying to blame the people, he's trying to say, well, I did the right, the, the good thing. Anyway, it reminded me of, of where we are in our country right now, because people work on emotions. They say, well, it's okay that I was disobedient, 
but I, the people, it was the right thing. It's okay. I, I, I did it for the right reasons, you know, the LGBT community, for anyone who wants to become a man or a woman. It just seemed, now I could be wrong, but there's a correlation. If this uh, disobedience is disobedience, I don't care if you say you're doing it in your mind for the right thing. Am I wrong or not? Well, you're absolutely right, and we can see a lot of parallelism uh, with, uh, you know, the days of uh, Saul and David uh, to the contemporary day and age by which we live in as well. And uh, King Saul, you know, he was um, an anointed king at first. You know, anointed means that God's anointing was upon him, and... uh, what happened was over a period of time, uh, he, uh, the tragic flaw uh, of him, like what happens with so many leaders today and people in churches as well, is that they allow pride uh, to often manifest itself in fear of the criticism and love of the popular approval. And that was the problem with him. And that's the problem today. Uh, he, was more into the popular approval of everybody around him than God. And we see this happening today in our world. You know, people want to get the approval of uh, mankind over God. And see, this was the big mistake in the history of Israel because they started off as a theocracy. And theocracy means they were God ruled. God was ruling the people. And they stayed out of trouble. And God kept pride out of them. When, he, when they allowed him to rule them. And then they didn't want to, the people didn't want to have God to rule over them in that day. And it's the way it is today. A lot of people don't want God to rule them. And sad to say, we even have some churches that way today. Don't want God to rule. Don't want Christ to rule. They want man to rule. And they bring politics into the church. And, you know, then the power of the Holy Spirit leaves. And so we see that... Uh, Saul's disobedience was influenced by his desire to please others rather than the Lord. And because he feared the judgment of men, Saul gave in to the temptation to be popular rather than obeying the word of God. We have so many leaders like that today in our world and people in churches. They want to, you know, get the approval of man over God. And, uh, and that's the downfall. And then his downfall was ultimately that he sought after a medium, see, of Endor. This is the first seance in the Bible in First Samuel 28. And he, uh, you know, rather than seeking God's wisdom, he sought again after man. And then it led to his ultimate death. And so, uh, you know, and then he ended up, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit ended up leaving him because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and go. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit stays and resides. But in the Old Testament, it would come and go depending upon what people, what the way people live. And so uh, he got to the point where the anointing would leave him uh, and God allowed a, a demon to torment him, literally to torment him. So there's a lot of lessons to learn out of this story of Saul and uh, and the decisions that he made to get the approval of man over God. And uh, this is the thing that I 
deal with every day uh, with certain leaders and certain people. And this is from the all the way from the church house, the White House, the ranch house, and those who have no house. They're influenced by the dictates of man over God. And this started way back in the Garden of Eden. You know, the, the enemy came in there and said, listen to me over God. And people have been listening to the enemy ever since in the Garden of Eden. So um, we got to be careful about that, watchful. And we got to make sure that we're uh, being led by God every day. And we're in a spirit of confession and repentance, uh, even if we get away. Because he, David, got away uh, and he repented in Psalms 51, you know, he he cried out back to God and got back right with God. So it's never too late. And no matter how far you get away from God, you can always get back. So hopefully that that's added some, uh, you know, spiritual meat to your question there. Hopefully that helped out. No, that was wonderful. I just want to say quickly, because a lot of the friends I was talking to, they say, oh, it was okay because he meant well. But you see, you can't just... You can't just deny God because you think you're doing the right thing, whether it's for the climate or LGBT. It, it's not, you know, the idea that if you mean well, it's okay. Well, it's not, right? Well, a lot of people mean well, and it sends the, the, that mean well spirit can send you well into hell. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you, that's not the way we are controlled through life and, uh, you know, led by life. We're, it's not about mean well, it's about the will of God. What is God's will in this matter? And God speaks out against uh, homosexuality and fornication and adultery and stealing and lying and murder. And a lot of people mean well, but you can mean well yourself right to hell. You got to do the will of God and repent. Uh, and that's the key right there. So. Well, I really appreciate it. Thank you for that clarification, and and God bless you all. God bless you, too, and thank you for your good question as well. God bless. Good night. All right. We have time to go to Brother Rick. All right. Brother Rick, how are you doing? I am blessed. How about yourself? We are truly blessed, brother, having a good time here. And and I I was getting ready to say the studio, but we used to be in the studio with no longer. (laughs) I was very blessed that uh, Sophia had to share. Amen. She's always got a good question, as well as yourself. And I got, I got an interesting question for the Christmas holiday. Yes, what's on your Where heart? in the New Testament do we find a scripture that identifies Jesus as both God and man? Well, that's a good question. And, you know, with it being now, uh, you know, almost Christmas upon us, uh, I would like to just, you know, a lot of times we... Uh, go to New Testament passages right off. But I think one of the most classic scriptures uh, that leads up to uh, the New Testament passages on Jesus being God and man is uh, Isaiah 9 and 6, because oftentimes when people uh, teach on Isaiah 9 and 6, where it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Oftentimes they use this as a means of the uh, divinity, the deity of Christ, that he's God. 
<clears throat> but what they miss out on is when it says a child is born, that speaks of his humanity. See, this, this verse of scripture is uh, wrapped up with the humanity and divinity of Christ, because unto us a child is born, that's the humanity. And unto us a son is given, <clears throat> that's also his humanity <clears throat> and divinity. And then it says, and the government shall be up on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Now, the word Mighty God is another name for God being God. And oftentimes you will have the Jehovah's Witnesses who will say, well, he's just called Mighty God, but he's not called the Almighty God. No, the name Mighty God is a name for God. This is the speaking of the God of the Old Testament. And it's interesting in Isaiah 10 and verse 21, it speaks of, so Isaiah 9 and 6 speaks of Jesus being the mighty God. And then Isaiah um, 10 and verse 21 says, the remnant shall return unto the remnant of Jacob unto the mighty God. So you have in Isaiah 9 and 6, Jesus being called the mighty God. And then you have in Isaiah 10 and verse 21, the Father being called the mighty God. Do you have two mighty gods? No, you have one mighty God and the name mighty God is a name for God, period. And so that's uh, in the Old Testament. And then you link this to John 1 and 1. Uh, you know, where it says in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, that's saying that Jesus is the Word. He's another person separate from uh, the Father. And it says, and the Word was God. And then that's that's the deity. That's the divinity. And then the humanity is verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So you have uh, the word made flesh, that's talking about him as humanity, and when it mentions the glory, that's speaking of his divinity, and then when it also talks about begotten, this is another word that speaks of his divinity, because the Greek word for begotten is monogenes. That's unique one or one of a kind. And there's never been anybody that's come into the world unique and one of a kind as being God manifested in the flesh. No other religion can claim that. No other cults can claim that. Jesus is unique and one of a kind. And he's the one that came back from the dead. And he came back in the from the dead in a physical body. And that's why the word flesh uh, in John 2, 19 through 21, destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. But he spoke of the temple of his soma, S-O-M-A referring to body, physical body. So hopefully that helps out. Look like we almost to a commercial. Why don't we turn it over to Gary and we'll come back and finish up on this, uh, Brother Rick. Well, all right. It's time for us to take that commercial break. Our phone lines are open. Pick up that phone. Give us a call. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith.
You're listening to Contending for the Faith on AM 1100 KFAX, the spirit of the Bay. Well, welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry O'Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, we just want to thank all of you who have been longtime listeners and longtime supporters. You guys are the, the bedrock of the broadcast, and we thank you so much for your prayers, and we thank you for your consistent giving as well. This is a listener-supported ministry, and right now we really need your support. We have a deficit of $258 we need to retire. But above and beyond that, we just need everyone to be consistent in their giving and consistent in their prayer so that we can make sure that we stay in the black and not in the red. We don't want to get to a point where we have to be concerned about uh, always asking for money, always asking for support. We want to make sure that it is coming in consistently and and that uh, we don't run the risk of uh, going off the air. It's that simple. So we want to encourage you tonight. Uh, if God has blessed you as a result of listening to Contending for the Faith, maybe it's time for you to support it. Maybe it's time for you to, to hit a home run. There's two ways that you can donate. You can go to uh, address a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553. Tiburon, California, that's T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. Second way is so much simpler. Just go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. Click on the Donate button, and it's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. All right, we have a big list of callers. Uh, let's get back to Brother Rick so we can get to the rest of the callers as well. Brother Rick, well, you there, Brother Rick? Yes. Well, hopefully that helped uh, to answer your question. No, you, you just keep studying the Bible and you, you find answers all over the place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your call. And uh, do you have any prayer requests that we can pray for you before we let you go? Just keep me in prayer around my health still. Mm-hmm. All right, Brother Gary. Let's... All right, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for Brother Rick. We pray that you continue to keep him in good health. Lord God, strengthen him. Uh, move upon his life. Give him that miracle he's requesting and touch his body, Lord God. Restore his body. Heal his body. And we also pray for his family, that you continue to bless them, that they would support him, and that they would be saved as well. Lord, we thank and praise and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Rick. All right, Brother Gary, you want to get to our next caller? Our next caller is Lee. Are you there, Lee? I I am. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, how are you doing? Can you hear me? Yes, Yes, we can hear you. you. Good, good. My what's question on your heart is tonight? about well, my question is about First Thessalonians chapters four and five, and I have a question in particular because I know you do not teach the rapture, and neither does the Catholic Church, and I wondered in particular because chapter four describes a life pleasing to God, telling us we're supposed to be in the light and encourage one another with these words. And it also goes into the coming of the Lord. And then chapter 5 is the day of the Lord. And on chapter 4, um, verse 
17, it says, Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So I don't know what that is or when it happens. And the next chapter 5 is the day of the Lord. And so I just wondered, you know, what comes next? Because our world is so crazy right now. It seems like it really is kind of at the end. I don't know. Right. Well, that's a good question. But let me uh, just make a clarification, correction, uh, that uh, we do uh, believe in the rapture. So we oh. hold strong to the position of the rapture. And another uh, word, even though the word rapture is not mentioned in the Bible, the word uh, caught up is synonymous yes. with the word rapture. So we believe that right? uh, there are b believers who, when a believer dies, they go to uh, they leave the body and their spirits go to be with the lord and they're with the lord until he returns and he returns back with them uh and they and he gives them new bodies and as well as us who are on the earth if we're on the earth we are when jesus comes back with the believers uh, we will uh, meet him in the air uh, and our bodies will be transformed and raptured into uh from mortal to immortal bodies and uh so we believe strong in the rapture and the day of the lord is a a, a term that sometimes paul will use in one chapter and then all of a sudden he'll mention it again uh, but the day of the lord is another word that is synonymous with uh christ coming back to uh judge the world in righteousness and he kind of lays out the chronology of how this all going to take place from Matthew 24. And he talks about the different signs that will be taking place. And then the abomination desolation that will happen uh, with a man of sin, the son of perdition. And then uh, it's going to get so bad that Christ will be coming back to uh, correct uh, and make, bring usher in his kingdom uh, and he will come to the earth as King of King and Lords of Lord. So that's my uh, perspective from a biblical perspective of that. But yes, we hold strong to the rapture. That's good to know, because that is what it says. And I, I couldn't figure out how anybody could not think that if it's so clear in Scripture. I guess the only point of um, a difference then would be I don't believe a child of God will see his wrath. And I think that, um, I don't know if it's the day of the Lord that is God's wrath. He's not just coming to judge for righteousness, but <laughs> he's, he's, he's coming in wrath, you know. Yeah, the, ch the child of God doesn't experience the wrath of God. It's the, the uh, person who is not a child of God that will experience the full wrath of God, because uh, Jesus took the blow for us, the total blow wrath of God at the cross. So when we're in Christ, we uh, will escape the wrath. But those who have rejected Christ, uh, the unrighteous, they will experience on the day of judgment, the full blown wrath and judgment of God. But thank you so much for your question and your call. Is this your first time calling? No, I've called before, but it's been a while. 
I think it's kind of like Noah and the flood then, because Noah would be like a child of God and his family was saved. He was taken out of it. He didn't experience the flood. He went through it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Noah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your call. And don't wait so long to call us back. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. And thank you for your good question as well. Hopefully we've been some help and God bless you. Very much. Yes. God bless you. Thank you. Keep listening and tell some more people. All right. All right. Let's quickly go to David. Brother David, how are you doing? Is David there? I don't know. Maybe we lost him. Well, uh oh. Hello? Thought I heard something. Well, let's get let's get to uh, his question. Uh, what was his question, Brother Gary? Um, how many women did God bless with the spirit to have a child? Um, well, he mentioned the uh, virgin, uh, virgin, virgin birth. Yeah, virgin birth. Well, there was only exactly. one exception, rather. Yeah, there was only one, and that was uh, uh, Mary, the mother, the mother of Jesus, and so. We don't believe in the immaculate uh, conception. We believe in the immaculate deception uh, because the immaculate conception, a lot of people don't know this, but it teaches not only was she a virgin, a Mary, but she was without sin. And the Bible says in Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then you you read uh, Acts chapter 1, and you'll find that Mary is with other women praying to Jesus. So uh, nobody was ever praying to Mary, and they never have. So uh, to say that she was a perpetual virgin, uh, no, that was just prior uh, to her, you know, you know, and having given uh, birth to Jesus. But after that, she, uh, you know, had many other children, and then she was not immaculately con- conceived and, and of Christ in the sense that she was without sin, because that's what the immaculate conception is. If people can do a, a hardcore study on it, and that's what it is. So hopefully that uh, helps out as well with uh, with that question. Uh, I think that uh, we got to look at the Bible versus. Uh, uh, Catholic tradition, because there's a lot of tradition and rituals with the Catholic Church, and uh, you got to be discerning, and you got to stick with what the Bible says versus what uh, many of the popes say. It was a Pope Pius XII in uh, 1952 said that uh, Mary never died; she was, uh, you know, was taken up and she never died, and it became a doctrine in the Catholic Church. But where's that in the Word of God? See, you, you know, you got to be careful that you uh, be discerning and listen to the Word of God over what man says. All right, Brother Gary, who do we have? Who do we have? We now? had uh, Alfred's question, which is, if one is once blessed, are they always blessed? That's a very good question. And uh, I would encourage uh, Alfred to... Um, Look at First Chronicles 17 and verse 27. Uh, one of my fir- favorite verses of Scripture, First Chronicles 17 and verse 27. And in the King James Version, it says, Now, therefore, let it please thee to be blessed, to bless the house of thy servant, 
that it may be before thee forever. Notice the word blessed. That will be before thee forever. For thou blessest. No, no, notice how many times the word uses the word blessed. Blessest, O Lord, and it shall be blessed forever. One that uses the word blessed earlier, use it again, and then blessed forever. So we also want to say to this that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which gives us insight and power into God's will, uh, these are blessings forever as well, coming from the Holy Spirit. But lastly, uh, as when Alfred asked a question, the Holy Spirit just took me immediately to um, uh, Matthew chapter 5, and I, I want to go there uh, for a moment because we have just a little bit of time here, but uh, this is what you call the Beatitudes of Christ, and Matthew, and it's, uh, the Beatitudes is Matthew chapter 5, uh, but the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 5 through 7, chapter 7, but notice what Jesus says here. He says here, he uses the word blessed over and over. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of, God, of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, shall, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, uh, this is, and then it goes through the word blessed again in verse 9 and 10 and 11. And and so uh, what he's saying here, Jesus is saying, if you do all these things and you live in these things, you'll be blessed on a continuous basis. Uh, this is a, a continuous ongoing blessings of God if we be obedient to doing what he calls us to do from this. And Jesus was the one. And the word blessed is another word for happy. You know, happy in the Lord. Doing what God calls us to do, we're happy in the Lord. So hopefully that helps out with Alfred's question as well, Brother Gary. And you want to add some things to some of this and bring this home uh, for us, Brother Gary. Well, <clears throat> I think you covered it very well in terms of being blessed. Um, I think a lot of times, though, that we as Christians have to realize that we are blessed in spite of, but there are mm -hmm. times when we go through troubles and sufferings and things are are tough in life, but that doesn't mean that we are not blessed um, in those times either. And I think, you know, it's important that as believers, as uh, we make sure that we are part of a well, healthy, balanced church, that we are in community and that we are um, in community with one another. There's so many lone, lone ranger Christians out there uh, who are trying to deal with life um, without community. You know, one of the first things that God said was not good was that it's not good for man to be alone and that we know scripture talks about iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. So it's important that we don't isolate. It's important that we be part of community. And it's important that we recognize that even though sometimes, you know, Jesus said in this life, you'll have tribulation, but mm -hmm. nevertheless, we are still blessed. Amen. Mm -hmm. We're still blessed. Well, I see uh, our engineer is flashing that sign up. 
<laughs> so we've come to the end of uh, tonight's exciting broadcast. <clears throat> We'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, and uh, you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Um, so drop us a note. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us. So let us know how the program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. So please keep us in your prayers until next time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>